0: Welcome to Charles Dickens' A Brain on Fire, a series that digs deep into the life and works of one of the greatest novelists of all time. Hi everyone, it is Publication Eve for today's guest. We last spoke way back in February 2022, when even the title of her book, Which Hits the Streets Tomorrow, was up for grabs. I can now confirm that she has settled on The Life and Lies of Charles Dickens, published by Icon Books, which seeks to lift the cover on what we think we know about Dickens from what his sanctioned biographer John Forster wrote about him. In this episode, we try to spend some time with Dickens' wife Catherine and understand the enormous struggles they both went through when Charles's genius sent their lives into the stratosphere right from the very start of their marriage, at a time when no one had written the handbook yet on how to cope with global fame. Please welcome back, Dr Helena Kelly. Hello,
1: thank you for having me back
0: on. Oh no, it's lovely to have you back. and We are on the eve of your publication.
1: We are. It's been a slow book to write. Um, there's just so much stuff with Dickens and it's um my last book which was about Austin, I I had been teaching her and kind of knew quite a lot of stuff already. Whereas here I was kind of starting more or less from the beginning. So there was, there was a lot of furling in archives, um, both like in person and remotely, and a lot of um, you know, he's so busy. he goes on for such a long time, he's constantly like doing stuff. It's hard to kind of draw that amount of data into a kind of coherent book. Um, I'm actually surprised it's not longer, it's actually quite a Slender
0: volume. I'm enjoying it. I'm finding it very easy to read. It carries you along at a good rate, you know. Um, But uh, what I liked about our chat last time, when you were talking about writing this book and we went into quite a lot of the topics in this book, it still had its working title of The Life and Lies of Charles Dickens. So it's with great pleasure that I get to hold up this proof copy that was sent to me of The Life and Lies of Charles Dickens. And um, I thought for today's episode, because Everyone listening to this episode, if you've not heard our chat from February last year, uh, you should go back and listen to that as well. But I thought it'd be very interesting to focus on Catherine Dickens, her story, really, and what it was like to be married to one of the most famous men <laughs> of the 19th century. But I'll let you lead, Helena. You, you take us on this, on this journey. How do you want to start?
1: I guess by talking about Catherine herself. The fact that she didn't really know what she was getting into when she when she married him. So, um, Catherine Hogarth um, is her her maiden name. She's from a Scottish family, uh, born in Scotland. Her father's a journalist. Her mother's family as well. Kind of, they're all kind of engaged in the literary scene in Scotland. So they know people like Scott and Burns. Uh, so she's one of ten children, one of four four sisters. They all had very interesting, let's say, relationships with Dickens, one way or another. Catherine's father um, moved around from to different newspapers. They came to England, moved around England quite a bit, and they ended up in London, where her father worked for uh, the Morning Chronicle and then the Evening Chronicle which was sort of like sister papers. And that's how she met Dickens, like through her dad. So Dickens also was working for the Morning Chronicle, was publishing for the Morning Chronicle. It's um, so where quite a lot of his short stories first appeared. And, you know, they met and he came to their house and, met Catherine he was uh, certainly kind of the normal version of his life says that he was slightly on the rebound he'd had this very intense kind of late teen obsession with another woman whose name was Maria Beatnal that hadn't worked out I mean partly because they were really 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 young and uh, at some point in 1835 Charles and Catherine get engaged and he's he's an up-and-coming journalist and short story writer She's the daughter of a journalist. It's a nice, happy marriage. I mean, she doesn't really have any money, but she's, you know, she's pretty and she's got good connections and she's got these kind of more distant connections to kind of literary circles in Scotland. And so there's one letter where Dickens announces to one of his uncles that he's getting married and the letter's all about like Catherine's dad and his career and how oh he's he's finally got enough money to get married on because they they originally were were anticipating much much longer engagement. Um and there's hardly anything about her at all. She's like right in the middle of this sentence. And it's some in some ways I mean it's difficult not to see that as an omen for the position that she ends up in because there's so much else that comes into Dickens' life just after they get married that she she kind of gets squeezed into this smaller and smaller space. And I mean that that is I I think very often what what happens with when when fame kind of attacks someone's life um so they got married at the beginning of april eighteen thirty six um and uh, so Dickens had he, he'd had these kind of um short stories published and they were doing well they weren't doing kind of like stunningly well, but they were doing they were doing decently and he'd just been commissioned to write the copy for this very very famous um comic illustrator called seymour and then Dickens. Up-and-coming young writer was going to write like the comic copy, and then, as, as probably lots of your listeners will know, Seymour committed suicide. He'd had he'd had long, long-standing mental health issues, and Dickens takes over the whole project himself. Basically, gets a new illustrator on board. All of a sudden, it explodes. It's the Pickwick Papers. It's amazing. Everyone loves it. It goes crazy, and so over a very, very short period of time, it's like the first two or three months of their marriage. Catherine goes from, you know, she she marries a pretty ordinary guy. Clever, decent, you know, a very sensible, kind of practical marriage. He's got enough to provide for her. He's gonna, you know, he's got he's he's married into a family that's gonna give him some some connections and so on. And then all of a sudden, it absolutely goes stratospheric. Um, she's also pregnant. She basically, I mean, so far as we can work out, fell pregnant on their honeymoon. So it's a lot to take actually for her. I think it must have been incredibly difficult. Um, you know, you've never had sex before, all of a sudden you're doing that. You're pregnant for the first time. That's what a discombobulating experience. And oh your husband's suddenly incredibly famous and everyone wants a piece of him. I think it must have been really, really, really hard for her. I think and for Charles as well. I mean, fame is I don't think fame is as much fun as it looks from the outside. I think it's actually actually quite rubbish. She really didn't know what she was getting into, I think. And then things keep going wrong for them. It's um, you know, obviously he he does treat her very very badly later on, but they have this incredible, just such a difficult start to married life. Her husband's colleague kills himself, um, and there was you know there's a lot of reporting around that, and his family. They kind of bore a grudge for a really, really long time about what had, about the fact that Dickens lived and got famous (laughs) off the Pickwick Papers, and that their relative had died, and kind of gets written out of the story. And they're they're still going on about it like thirty years later. They clearly felt deeply embittered about the whole thing. So there's that going on. Baby is born. We think Catherine had postnatal depression. Certainly, she she doesn't seem to have taken to motherhood quite like a duck to water and then her sister mary who'd been living with them she suddenly dies she kind of i think her health had never been kind of superb but it was a real real shock so they go to the theater the three of them together she'd been spending a lot of time but basically living in their household most of the time um and uh they go to the theater they come back she collapses dies the next day at which point dickens bear in mind this is, this is like Kathleen's husband, Um, suddenly goes into this like weirdly obsessive, over the top mourning for her. Um, uh, Catherine has a miscarriage, whether that's emotional upset, stress, or whether it was just that she got pregnant again too quickly, there's no possible way of knowing. But so sister's dead, miscarriage, then she gets pregnant again. You know, the 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 hormonal roller coaster that she's going through in this first sort of that year, uh 1837, just like breathtaking. They move house because they have to move out of the flat that they're living in, in London because it doesn't have children, so they move down to this cottage in chalk. Um, and then Charles is never there. It's such a difficult time. It must have been so hard for them. But you know, the babies just kind of keep appearing and Charles is working. Frenetically, he's also he. I mean, his his mental health at this point does not seem to be fantastic. I mean, the obsession with Mary's death—it's all a bit weird. But he didn't really ever kind of process that grief properly. He was, you know, he was working, and you know, the family had at that point particularly bad financial problems. And I just—I I don't think he ever got the chance to kind of work through it. And I mean, like I say, he was under an enormous amount of stress. You know, he's writing kind of. Two books at a time. So halfway through the Pickwick Papers, starts writing on uh, the twist. Halfway through on the twist, he starts writing Nicholas Nickleby. He's, he's doing like little plays and like terrible operettas. Um, he's <laughs> <laughs> that was the opinion even at the time that it, it was a huge embarrassment. He and Everyone should was have stuck
0: minutes. in his lane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um, just he's under so much pressure, and I think it's clearly a breakdown. And I don't know. I don't know that he was actually lots of readers, lots of kind of critics and biographers have been like, oh, well, he was really in love with her. Well, I mean, maybe. Because, like I say in the book, you didn't get to spend very much time with the person that you were going to marry before you married them. Um, You know, Catherine's then pregnant straight away, probably dozing on the sofa in the evening because you have that like 7pm wave of tiredness hit you. Um, Just before he goes to America for the first time, Another of Catherine's brothers had died and um, the Hogarth parents wanted to bury him with his sister. So Mary had gone in the the plot that the Dickens family had kind of bought for themselves. He sort of writes this distressingly worrying letter to uh, his friend Forster where he's like, I thought that I might move her body to the catacombs secretly. Um, I can't bear the thought of like not lying next to her when I'm dead. I mean, it's, I don't think it's even a normal reaction if he had fallen in love with her. It's a very, it's a very, very kind of strange, unhealthy kind of compulsive, that kind of famous phrase about Dickens, that that kind of um, attraction of repulsion that he's drawn to write about things that actually kind of secretly horrify him. I wonder if there's something kind of similar going on there because it's, it's a very strange way to write about her. And it's an, it's an odd one i i but i i'm inclined to think that actually dickens has quite quite serious mental health issues in the early years of his career and it's not you know it's not actually surprising because he's he's having, he's having a tough time his father his father's a menace um as ever in in, in addition to everything else you know, he's kind of paying for his youngest brother to go to school paying for everybody there are these endless criticisms of him he, he starts to be really kind of struggle to write and to produce things for the three different publishers that he's promised himself to. Um he almost certainly was abusing things like hydrocyanic acid and possibly other things as well. He does seem to have certainly occasional issues with drug use, basically, and later on with, with alcohol misuse as well. And Catherine gets kind of squeezed into the middle of this this sentence when he when he writes to his uncle, just before they get married. And she she ends up in this kind of smaller and smaller, smaller space. She gets mentioned in a lot of newspaper articles, but it's always as a kind of, you know, addition. Um, there's a lot of, oh, she's wearing this, oh, this is what she looks like. So the the kind of early, you know, that's press. And um she kind of trails around after him, poor woman, like all over thousands of miles of train travel and, and and things that they end up doing. Um has left four, four kids by this point at home, the oldest of whom is five. And in some ways I think that her, I don't know that her relationship with them ever completely recovers. You know, they're away for six months. It's a long, long time to a little kid. Like it's a really long time. And um certainly she seems not to have been even allowing for the bias that is clearly there later on when when dickens is kind of like oh she was a, like the reason the reason we spit up is because she was like a really rubbish mother and like just uh, utterly was just like oh and chilly and like um you know her kids didn't like her even um but that's going to really damage your bond with your kids and i think she lost a lot of confidence parenting wise and keeps popping out the babies like relentlessly on and on and on and on and on um and um the first fifteen years of their marriage, she's basically pregnant for eight years, or like it's it's some it's some ludicrous amount of time that she is actually pregnant. She has a couple of miscarriages as well, and Dickens is sort of he doesn't seem that excited when the younger ones come along. He tends to write, "There's another baby," and like everyone's fine. I haven't really bothered looking at it yet. I could have done without him, and. I don't know how serious that is, but it doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily seem like someone who was overjoyed that the kids kept appearing. But they did, you know, 10 of them in the end. And uh, you can see the marriage kind of starting to get weaker and weaker, I I think. I don't think it was a love story for the ages. Um, Even when they're engaged, they're like constantly getting into vows with each other.
0: I find that interesting, <laughs> Helena, just just quickly saying that the impression I get of Catherine is that she's very submissive, almost a kind of doormat. But the idea that she is capable of actually having a row, do you think she can? She was able to stick up for her side face to face with him, you know, and actually hold her ground over?
1: I think she got ground down. I mean, I think, you know, honestly, like how many 12 pregnancies, you're constantly either pregnant or breastfeeding or recovering. Some of these pregnancies are really, really close together. It's not good for you, either physically or mentally. And I think she gave up, actually. I think you're sort of seeing this erosion of her personality. She seems to have suffered from depression as well. She loses her sister. She loses her brother. She loses her her daughter, Dora. So um, the ninth of the Dickens children. has this sort of quite odd medical history in that she's sort of okay when she's born. So okay that they don't bother baptising her but um until she's taken really really ill one night and then she's so ill basically that they do an emergency baptism on the spot one of the dinner guests basically gets some water they call in the servant and they're like right let's go but she recovers from that and then while Catherine is away in Great Malvern for her own health the baby dies like absolutely out of the blue and Dickens then sends Forster to pick Catherine up and bring her back. Um, and he sends her this letter in which he pretends that the baby's still alive. And, and he's like, oh, you, yeah, the baby's ill, so come back and see her. But actually, she, you know, she was already dead. And obviously, losing a child is incredibly damaging, even to a really strong marriage. There are plenty of happily married people who can't cope with that kind of loss. and. They then pretty much immediately conceived the last of their children, Edward. But I don't know that their relationship ever really recovers from that betrayal. I can't see how it didn't feel like that to her.
0: Yes, it's so other- hard, isn't it? Because like you can absolutely understand why Charles would want to get her home first and spare her the blow miles and miles away. And that's an instance where I can actually see uh, a good side to the gesture of withholding that information but yeah it's
1: and i think this is the thing and i think it's it's um charles's dad had just died two weeks earlier he's in grief already you can't expect him to be behaving absolutely perfect you mean you can't and, and this is why i say i think a lot of the problems with their marriage were, were down to just sheer bad luck they have so much to cope with And all the time under pressure from the press, this kind of obsession with where are they? What are they doing? It must have been so, so endless, actually, just so difficult to have room for their relationship. And the fact that, you know, they've moved Hogarth's sister number three, Georgina, into the house too. And she sort of almost takes over some of Catherine's position you know she's dickens's amanuensis he calls her in one letter his his little right hand but the, the their relationship really seems to take quite a steep nosedive from the death of dora and kind of from from, from edward being born it really seems to go downhill I, I don't know that it's necessarily a case of kind of blaming either of them i think it was circumstance as as much as anything um so far as we're aware catherine didn't go to charles's funeral. But in in the newspapers, there are, there are quite detailed descriptions of the flowers that are put on the coffin, and in kind of you know flower language, which obviously the Victorians were very keen on. It seems like they're from Catherine. So you've got white roses, which is for first love. You've got red roses, which are for like married love. Um, and then they're kind of separated off, which suggests separation and assuming I'm I'm right in suggesting that they are from her, it seems, seems likeliest that they would be. Um, it just seems so terribly, terribly sad that she's still loving him, even after the way he treats her. Um, the only communication they have after they've fully separated is after the Staplehurst accident, obviously where, where Dickens comes really quite close to dying in a terrible rail accident. And she writes to him and is like, I wanted to write to you. And then he replies, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's all good." She didn't ever completely stop having at least some residual affection for him.
0: Something that's hovering for me is just that awareness of that letter that came to light a few years ago about Dickens supposedly wanting to have Catherine committed to a asylum. And this is where perhaps the sympathy for Dickens's side evaporates because you think that's beyond. What is the foundation of that, and is it true?
1: So, Katie Dickens. The third of the Dickens' children. She she says when my mother left, my father was like a madman. That he was essentially he was he, he was out of his mind. I do suggest in the book that he, he did have quite serious mental health issues that, that kind of you know eb- ebbed and flowed. Um whether that is a possible factor in this sort of wanting to lock Catherine up. Um we only ever have this we we have the story in, in um, two places, in fact. But only ever at a couple of removes. So there's the um, so John Bowen's research a couple of years ago, which was from a, a, a neighbour of, of Catherine's. I think I'm right in saying. But also we have well we have the transcription of what purports to be a letter written by one of Catherine's aunts, which says the same thing basically. We've we've had that we've had that for a long time. That also says that he he tried to get her declared mad and tried to get her kind of locked up but he couldn't do it. And whether what she was saying was sufficiently embarrassing or sufficiently kind of damaging to his reputation. I worry in some ways that I kind of, you know, having spent so long with Dickens, I've kind of been beguiled by him. But I can almost see how it happened. As with the problems in in their marriage, I can sort of see how it happens. That one decision and then you make another and then, you know, ten years later you make another if he did it. I mean, like like we said, there's not a it's not actually completely reliably proved that he he did try to do this, it's just that there are there well, were he's, stories.
0: He's also prone to but hyperbole throughout his life, isn't he? I want to do this, or oh, I wish to do this. And you think, well, yeah, he's quite there are evidences of him doing that, so he could quite conceivably have said that and then not maybe
1: Yes, and then intended. never actually yeah. He's quite an extreme person. Um <laughs> whether that just kind of you know crossed his mind um and why it did um, cuz it you know it's not it was not that easy to get your wife locked up as indeed dickens' friend um discovers right so sort of the next scandal that kind of takes over the newspapers at the end of the 1850s is um the oh gosh i've forgotten his name
0: Bulwer lytton is it Bulwer lytton
1: that's it. But we'll let him... Yeah. So he... Um, he By the does way, Helen, on,
0: his... I only know that because read, I'm reading your book. I only know that from your own <laughs> writing.
1: Um, so yeah, so he has done... Uh, his wife was like genuinely really, really difficult. She would like turn up at his hustings and like shout things at him. She was not as mild as Catherine uh, probably that. seems to have been. Um, and, and so he, he did get her locked up for a couple of weeks. And then there was such a massive public outcry that she was released again. Um. So, I, I mean, I think certainly if you were famous... It was maybe not quite as easy as we maybe think that, that obviously as a father of a family, you did have a lot of power, but it maybe wasn't completely unlimited. And I think I think he would have really, really struggled to get her locked up anyway, because her, her parents were clearly very supportive of her. Which again suggests, I think, that there was other stuff going on. What that was, who knows? Mrs Hogarth. She was apparently going around like massively bad mouthing him to people. So she and um she and Helen are kind of basically coerced into signing this document, um, saying that, oh, yeah, we we don't believe the rumors that are circulating, um, and, and we kind of disavow them. They clearly had been told something, I think, worse than an affair. The the reactions all seem much more extreme than just taking up with an actress um and certainly Catherine, i think wouldn't have enjoyed the support that she did enjoy from people if that was all it was but people should buy the book and read it and see what i say they absolutely should (laughs) they
0: absolutely should and i love talking to you on the eve of its publication what's it like to have a book about to go out into the world because this has been with you a long time
1: it's been with me a really really long time um kind of all the way through uh all the way through COVID, it's been quite a battle. This one to write, actually. I'm quite nervous. <laughs> it's like sending your child off to their first day at school because um, you're not you're not really in control of what happens. Um, yeah, I mean, I hope. Um, I'm also kind of quite excited to see what people think about it because, um, yeah, I do I do suggest some slightly maybe new takes on um, quite a few episodes in in, in Dickens's life.
0: Well I, I'm really enjoying it. There's a link wherever you're listening to this where you can you can click on and and buy or pre-order. It's been so lovely to have you back and thank you so much for taking us on such a detailed path through Catherine's story like that. I've never really had that much time with Catherine. Thank you for listening to Charles Dickens, A Brain on Fire. If you're enjoying these episodes and would like to make a small donation towards the costs of producing them, please follow the link at the bottom of the description and you can make a donation there. Every coffee you buy makes a huge difference. Thank you ever so much and see you next time.